Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of patent ductus arteriosus found under the cardiovascular section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A three-year-old boy presents to his pediatrician's office for a well-child visit. He recently moved to the United States from Vietnam. He and his parents report no concerns. On physical exam, he is not in acute distress. His cardiac exam reveals a continuous machine-like murmur. There is no cyanosis or respiratory distress. The physician counsels the parents about his murmur and suggests an echocardiogram. Let's continue with an introduction to patent ductus arteriosus. Clinically, it is defined as a persistent opening between the aorta and pulmonary artery that fails to close in the immediate postpartum period. In terms of the demographics, it affects females more than males with a 2 to 1 ratio, and it is most commonly seen in premature infants. Risk factors include maternal rubella infection, prematurity, and in utero alcohol exposure. In terms of the pathogenesis, remember that the ductus arteriosus is normal in utero and typically closes hours after birth. Patency of a PDA is maintained by prostaglandin E2 synthesis and low oxygen tension. If unfixed, a large PDA can cause left-to-right shunting in the heart, which increases pulmonary blood flow and causes alterations in the pulmonary vasculature. There is shifting of blood from systemic circulation, which can cause cyanosis. And over time, with severe defects, this eventually results in pulmonary hypertension and Eisenmenger syndrome. Conditions that are associated include fetal alcohol syndrome, congenital rubella, neonatal respiratory distress syndrome due to persistently low oxygen tension, and ventricular septal defects. And in terms of the prognosis, remember that this typically progresses over time. Moving on to the presentation. Remember that symptoms usually occur with larger defects and may include respiratory distress, poor feeding, poor weight gain, and easy fatigability. On exam, cardiac auscultation may demonstrate a continuous machine-like or to-and-fro murmur. This is typically noted in the second intercostal space in the left upper sternal border. One may also note wide pulse pressures, bounding arterial pulses, cyanosis and clubbing of the lower extremities, and there may be signs of respiratory distress such as tachypnea, grunting, nasal flaring, and retractions during breathing. In terms of further imaging, radiography is indicated for all patients. Specific views should be of the chest. Findings may include an enlarged pulmonary artery, increased pulmonary markings, and cardiomegaly. An echocardiogram is indicated as a diagnostic test, and remember that this is the most specific test. Findings may include ductal flow and increased left atrium to aortic root flow. In terms of further studies, electrocardiograms are indicated to assess for arrhythmias. Specific findings may include left ventricular hypertrophy, which can occur over time. And when making the diagnosis, remember that this is based on clinical presentation and echocardiogram. In terms of the differential, make sure to think about ventricular septal defects, with distinguishing factors being that this will present with a holosystolic murmur. In terms of treatment, remember that many lesions may close spontaneously, but premature infants often need medical or surgical treatment. 
Medical options include endomethacin. This is indicated as first-line therapy for all patients who do not need the PDA, and this is also indicated for premature infants with the PDA. Another option is prostaglandin E. This is indicated for patients who require the PDA to survive. An example of this is patients with transposition of the great vessels. Operative options include surgical closure. This is indicated in failure of PDA to close after medical therapy. It is also indicated in term infants with large PDAs. And lastly, complications related to patent ductus arteriosus may include heart failure, Eisenmenger syndrome, and infective endocarditis. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to patent ductus arteriosus, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 14-year-old adolescent male presents to his primary care physician with complaints of shortness of breath and easy fatigability when exercising for extended periods of time. He also reports that when he exercises, his lower legs and feet turn a bluish-gray color. He cannot remember visiting a doctor since he was in elementary school. His vital signs are a heart rate of 72, blood pressure of 128 over 60, respiratory rate of 14, and oxygen saturation of 97%. Which of the following murmurs and or findings would be expected on auscultation of the precordium? And the answer choices are, choice one, mid-systolic murmur loudest at the right second intercostal space with radiation to the right neck. Choice two, holodiastolic murmur loudest at the apex with an opening snap following the S2 heart sound. Choice three, left infraclavicular systolic ejection murmur with decreased blood pressure in the lower extremities. Choice four, continuous machine-like murmur at the left infraclavicular area. Or choice five, right supraclavicular continuous murmur, which disappears with pressure on the internal jugular vein. The best answer to this question is, choice four, continuous machine-like murmur at the left infraclavicular area. This patient's presentation of exercise intolerance, lower extremity cyanosis, and a widened pulse pressure is consistent with the diagnosis of patent ductus arteriosus. A continuous machine-like murmur loudest at the left infraclavicular area is associated with the PDA. It is important to be able to differentiate PDA from coarctation of the aorta based on examination and history findings. PDA is characterized by lower extremity cyanosis, while coarctation of the aorta manifests with lower extremity exercise intolerance without cyanosis. There is shunting of the blood from the right to the left in PDA. In cases of a severe preductal coarctation, a persistent PDA may be necessary to maintain sufficient blood flow, albeit partially venous, to the lower extremities. The publication by McConnell et al. discusses differentiating pathologic versus innocent or benign murmurs in children. The most common causes of pathologic murmurs in children include atrial septal defects, ventricular septal defects, PDA, and abnormalities of the pulmonary and aortic outflow tracts. Murmurs that are louder than a grade 3 or a diastolic murmur that increases in intensity when standing are concerning for an underlying pathologic process, necessitating referral to a cardiologist. 
the publication by Fidel et al. discusses the hemodynamic findings associated with PDA in adults. Minor right-to-left shunting from a small PDA typically has no significant hemodynamic effects. However, a larger PDA with significant left-to-right shunting can lead to left-sided volume overload, heart failure, pulmonary hypertension, and Eisenmenger syndrome. Although often diagnosed in childhood, some cases of PDA may first be discovered in adulthood when signs or symptoms of the disease become more noticeable. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Mid-systolic murmur loudest at the right second intercostal space with radiation to the right neck is suggestive of aortic stenosis. Choice 2. Mitral stenosis is associated with a holodiastolic murmur loudest at the apex accompanied by an opening snap following the S2 heart sound. Choice 3. A systolic murmur with weak femoral pulses and decreased lower extremity blood pressures is suggestive of coarctation of the aorta. Coarctation of the aorta presents with exercise intolerance and could present with differential cyanosis. Choice 5. A continuous murmur at the right supraclavicular area that is obliterated by pressure on the ipsilateral internal jugular vein is suggestive of a venous hum, a common innocent murmur. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 34-year-old G1P0 woman gives birth to a male infant at 35 weeks of gestation. The child demonstrates a strong cry and moves all of his arms and legs upon birth. Respirations are slow and irregular. His temperature is 99.1 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.3 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 100 over 55, pulse is 115 beats per minute, and respirations are 18 breaths per minute. At a follow-up appointment, the physician notices that the infant's torso and upper extremities are pink while his lower extremities have a bluish hue. Which of the following will most likely be heard on auscultation of the patient's chest? And the answer choices are Choice 1. Rumbling noise in the late diastole Choice 2. Early diastolic decrescendo murmur at the left sternal border Choice 3. Holosystolic murmur radiating to the right sternal border Choice 4. Holosystolic murmur radiating to the axilla Or Choice 5. Continuous systolic and diastolic murmur at the left upper sternal border The best answer to this question is choice 5, continuous systolic and diastolic murmur at the left upper sternal border. This patient presents with lower extremity cyanosis with normal upper extremity perfusion, suggestive of a patent ductus arteriosus. A machine-like continuous murmur at the left upper sternal border is often heard in patients with PDA. Congenital heart diseases can be classified as right-to-left shunts with early cyanosis, and left-to-right shunts with late cyanosis. PDA is a type of left-to-right shunt that occurs because arterial blood flows from the ascending aorta to the pulmonary artery via the ductus arteriosus. This effectively creates a left-to-right shunt that decreases the availability of oxygenated blood to the periphery. Oxygenated blood will reach all of the vessels proximal to the ductus arteriosus, resulting in adequate oxygenation to the upper extremities, but inadequate oxygenation to the lower extremities, similar to a post-ductal coarctation of the aorta. 
Since aortic pressure is higher than the pulmonary pressure, blood flows continuously through the patent ductus arteriosus, leading to the characteristic machine-like murmur throughout systole and diastole. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. A rumbling noise in late diastole is characteristic of mitral stenosis. An opening snap due to tensing of the chordae tendinae may also be heard in mitral stenosis. Choice 2. An early diastolic decrescendo murmur at the left sternal border is characteristic of aortic regurgitation. Choice 3. A holosystolic murmur radiating to the right sternal border is characteristic of tricuspid regurgitation. Choice 4. A holosystolic murmur radiating to the axilla is characteristic of mitral regurgitation. Finally, a bullet summary. A continuous machine-like murmur can be heard in patients with a patent ductus arteriosus. That's all for this review about patent ductus arteriosus. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.